And we're back for another episode of Startup Hustle, a podcast for entrepreneurs by entrepreneurs. If you want to start, own, or build a business, then you're in the right place. We bring you the real truth about what it's like to take something from concept to launch, from growth, innovation, experience, failing, or winning big, we've got you covered. So let's get down to business with another episode of Startup Hustle, brought to you by Fullscale.io. And we are back. Thank you for joining us for yet another episode of the Startup Hustle podcast. I'm your host, Lauren Conaway, founder and CEO of Innovate Her KC, and I would be very, very remiss and out of turn if I did not tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. It can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. So folks, today we have with us a guest who has been a long time in the making, and this is also a guest that I have poached from the mats, uh, specifically Matt DeCourcy, I believe. Uh, I am so, so excited to welcome Kristen Thomas to the show once again. Uh, for those of you who have listened to her episodes, Kristen is owner and head coach of Open the Doors Coaching. Uh, she is a dear friend of mine, an active innovator, an incredible, amazing human being, and she just happens to be an awesome fucking sex coach. So we're about to have a fun conversation. Hell Kristen, yeah. Thank you so much for being on the show. I'm so excited. Thanks for having me back. I'm, I love Matt and Matt. I've known Watson for a very long time, but I was very okay with being pilfered and just being. Okay? You I'm, I am more than okay. I am That's ecstatic. Right. That you pilfered me from the mats. I, I really did. I even told, like, we were talking about another Kristen Thomas KT episode, and I was like, but, but I want, I want to, can I? And Matt was it's like, fine, fine. <laughs> and then they set it up because I, I just, I've wanted to interview and Matt kept getting to you first. And so I'm, I'm just really excited to have you here today. And, and folks listening at home, the reason that I'm so excited is because Kristen is about to blow your mind. Uh, she blows my mind pretty much every time we talk, uh, which is which is frequently. So that's saying a lot. But Kristen, I'm just going to ask you to dive right into it. Sure. Tell us about your journey. Let's hear it. Oh, where to start on something like that? Um, the basics. I, I've got a degree in psychology. I thought I was going to become a therapist one day, but then I ended up becoming a weight loss coach. And that's where I found that I really like the coaching approach way more than therapy. And then one day when I was working in renewable energy, I was really unhappy and happy to hear a podcast from a sex coach talking about how and why she became one. And I was like, uh, pff, duh, yeah, I need to do this. Um, started that journey in 2017 and haven't looked back. I have never had a moment since I started my business that I have felt like, ah, oh, I made a mistake. What am I doing? I have had to push through some really tough times, especially like pivoting sure. at the beginning of the pandemic. Um, I had to have a part-time job here and there to pay my personal bills, but I went full-time with my coaching business January 1st of 2020. Oh, so you have impeccable timing as well. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. I got my own office. I got it furnished, oh, all that stuff. And that was the end of February 2020. So I had my office for a whopping two weeks before we had to shut down. 
um, I was worried about what I was going to do. I mean, I, like I said, I had just quit the restaurant industry. I had no other form of personal income except this business. Yeah. But then all of a sudden the phone started ringing. And, you know, after about two months of being locked in with their spouse, they're like, I love my spouse. I hate my spouse. Please <laughs> help me. So my business took off uh, starting in 2020. It doubled in 2020 over 2019. And then it doubled again, 2021 over 2020. Amazing. So. Well, and you're, you've been branching out as well. So, I mean, you, you have your coaching business, which is kind of, I feel like that's kind of the core of what you do. Like you do it very mm -hmm. naturally. Like people will just be talking to you in random conversation and somebody will say something about a relationship and there's Kristen with impeccable advice. Uh, so I feel like that's just kind of an extension of who you are. Um, and I, I know you to be a very caring person and someone who's invested in people being happy and fulfilled. Yeah. Uh, you're, you're actually working on some projects that are, I would imagine are very fulfilling for you. So, so yeah. let's what about those. Yeah. Finally, this last year, I got to actually embrace the writer within. I mean, I've been working on my book for a while and uh, even my friend who's a writing coach has been like, hey, you need to make sure you prioritize finishing that this year. Right. I'm like, I know, I know, I know. Yes, I have been writing on my book, um, which is about race and dating in America. But I got a gig with The Pitch, Kansas City, and I'm now a monthly columnist writing about sex, love, and relationships. Uh, they're letting me branch out a little bit more too, starting the March issue. I'm writing a couple of articles. Uh, yeah. I like my writing style. They like what I've got to say and – that's been a lot of fun for me. I I love that so much. It has been such a gift and such an honor to watch you kind of step into yourself as like, I mean, you have not, you and I have known each other for a while now, um, mm -hmm. but just watching you like go from strength to strength and find new opportunities and find new ways to use that voice of yours is, it's been incredible to watch. I don't know if you know this, maybe I told you this once upon a time, but uh, when I like through the course of my writing career, I was actually a sex and relationships columnist for a, a Midwestern blog site called Girls Guide to the Galaxy. I didn't know uh, that. Yeah, like I, I, we wrote about some some similar topics. I would say, uh, I think one of my one of my favorite stories that I ever did was actually a story on uh, eco conscious dildos. Uh, like, you know, glass and those that can be recycled and those that are made mm -hmm. from recycled materials and things like that. Um, so, so yeah, I, I just, I, I love that we have that in common, like just a firm belief in the importance of healthy sexual expression. Yay! <laughs> I mean, that's what drives everything that I do. I mean, you can only reach so many people doing the one-on-one -on -one sessions or even group workshops. But I am reaching thousands upon thousands of people writing for the pitch um, and doing my TikToks, things like that. Like, I love being able to be a resource for people that, like, helps them change their mind about something or gives them better information. But yeah. We all are perfectly aware that sex education in this country absolutely sucks. Travesty. Travesty. <laughs> Yes. If, if I'm going to work on anything in the government, if I'm going to do anything to try to influence policy, it's going to be getting comprehensive sex education in our schools. 
For sure. Well, and I, I think that a piece of that, and this is something that you and I have talked about as well, is there there's this stigma attached to mm -hmm. to talking about sex. And so, yeah, you're telling me. <laughs> oh yeah. Like I mean, I we we were just talking about it before we even hit the record button. You know, often, you know, you'll be at an innovator event and you'll say something related to sexy, sexy times, like nothing particularly I incendiary that I can mm -hmm. remember, but people will get like downright upset. And it's like, you know, we are all we are all human beings. Mm -hmm. uh, most human beings have some form of sexual desire within them. Mo most, most, not all. Yeah. Correct, correct. But, Shout out to our yeah. aces out there, right? Hey, what's up, aces? I was thinking about you, friend. Yep. Uh, but I, you know, most people have some kind of sex drive, um, and mm -hmm. it comes in many forms, and it applies to many functions. But we can't talk about it. You and know, why and is just, that? It's absurd. I, I well, and I'm going to ask you, like, talk to us a little bit about that social stigma because it, I imagine it makes your job much harder. I would say a lot of it's probably rooted in purity culture. Uh, maybe a little bit. Mm, I'll go there. Maybe a little bit rooted in white supremacy. Uh, there are certain things that white people in particular think that you just don't talk about in proper circles. Yeah. Proper, quote unquote. Um. Again, I think with purity culture, that's straight up what I'm writing my book about is how right. purity culture influences the way that we move about the world. Like if I was in Sweden, if I was in Denmark, if I was even in Italy, if I was having the same exact conversations, it would just seem like this is matter of fact. We are talking about health, a function of health. Yeah. So, you know, if we're going to talk about our back pain – I don't think that we should be inhibited from talking about, well, you know, I've got this issue going on in the bedroom and I don't know what to do about it. Yeah. I it's just a, it's a biological function. That's it. It's, it's, it's a biological function. So, so I was reading an article. Actually, no, it's not even that like cerebral. I was reading a Reddit thread. Uh, <laughs> But it was a really interesting thread. So, I mean, surprising absolutely nobody. I follow, like, a bunch of, like, feminist threads and things like that. But on this particular thread, could not tell you which subreddit it came from. Mm -hmm. But it was talking about the fact that, you know, someone's daughter was under was going through sex education, like, the sex education segment. Mm -hmm. And they were, like, in middle school or something like that. You know, she, she I think she was saying that her daughter was, like, 12, 13 years old in there. Mm -hmm. And she was she was highly offended because the the school that her daughter goes to is a little bit more pro progressive and was thinking mm -hmm. of putting the students through sex education together. Now, I don't know if like when I went through sex education and I don't know how it was for you. Um, I think I'm a little older than you. But um, when I went through sex ed in school, you separated the boys and the girls and you told the girls, like, here are your parts. This is what your, your period's going to be like. You know, nobody ever talked about sexual stimulation, sexual pleasure, consent, mm -hmm. uh, none of those things. It was just like, you have a uterus and ovaries. Good luck. Yeah. Here are some tampons. And well, that was kind of what they did. And so, so in the subreddit, I just found it fascinating that people would get so up in arms about exposing the opposite gender to to learning about human bodies <laughs> you know i just found that oh, yeah horrific. Well, yeah there's a lot to talk about with this uh first off you're not that much older than me i'm 41 
Oh shit, I'm a little younger than you actually. You're younger than me? See, there you go. Okay. Yeah, okay. I just turned 39. I thought you were like right at I thought you were right at my age, like 41 no, or 42. Tur- just turned 39. Well. Okay. See? Yeah, you have the skin of a goddess, you bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Good jeans and sunscreen. Um, <laughs> but you did not receive sex education. You received reproductive health education. Yeah. Okay. So let's be clear about that. The whole, yeah, absolutely. Because all they did was talk about how your body makes a baby or how you don't make a baby, but they probably didn't tell you about actually how it happens. They probably didn't tell you about condoms or birth control of any form. It was just, you have these body parts. This is how babies are made vaguely. That's it. That was reproductive health and a very small snippet of it. I will say that. Yeah. Well, I think separating separating the boys and the girls is a detriment to both. That's why we end up with boys who are 20 that don't understand how periods work. Right. Uh, Even 50-year-olds that don't understand how periods work. I myself have had clients who didn't get sexual health information in a timely fashion and in their late 20s or early 30s still do not understand how babies were made. Oh God! That's and they've so had scary. they've had sex. They've had sex. It's like, oh, you know that thing that you just did on Saturday night after a couple, you know, extra glasses of Boone's Farm. That's what it is. That's what it is. There you go. Um, well, so, so I have to ask. I, I think one of the important questions that that I want to talk about is this stigma piece because I think it. I mean, and, and you you work to break to eradicate stigma and eradicate, um, you know hesitation around a lot of different topics related to sex and sexuality. Like you, mm-hmm. I've heard you go on record about sex work, yeah. uh, you know, validating sex work as a field and the people who mm-hmm. work within that field, um, you know, talking, talking about sexual pleasure um, mm-hmm. over the, the function of sex. I mean, I've heard you do this time and time again. And so I want to ask you, how do you I imagine that that advocating for sex and sexuality and, and wellness as a function of sex, mm-hmm. I imagine that fighting against that constant tide is tiring. It's got to be tiring. Uh, you know, I get exhausted in my work with Innovator because of some of the things that I have to fight against <laughs> on a daily basis. You you know, you know. Yeah, yeah. Uh, but so, so I want to ask you, what do you do and how do you how do you deal with that? Well, for one thing, I'm an only child, so okay. like, I'm I'm used to having to fight a little bit more yeah. to to get what like and and I'm just used to constantly having to advocate for myself. Yeah. Um. You know, when you're an only child and you move around a couple of times, you, you you've only got yourself to rely upon. Like your parents are there, but you know you got to learn to make friends fast. You got to learn to have good conversations with people and. Sure. Uh, I think that part of it is just that I am so used to being the black sheep of my family. (laughs) (laughs) Like I was definitely the oddball out a lot of times in my family. And like, I just, I just don't care anymore. Um, so you I think I'm kind of numb to it. I'm like, I don't I have know to become how, numb to it. Absolutely. I don't know how healthy that is, but it's working for Agreed. you. Agreed. Yes, that's <laughs> true. Like there, there is a certain amount of push through it, push through the discomfort that yeah. I have, have learned. Plus again, being a weight loss coach for a long time, that was where yeah. you like change happens in the discomfort. Yeah. You know, if, if people are just staying comfortable all the time, that means they're just staying where they are. 
change hurts a little bit. Change makes you feel a way that's not easy. You are not perfectly at ease when you are trying to change your life and do something different. And oftentimes in challenging stigmas, challenging taboos, what I am getting people to understand is that the way you've always done things isn't going to get you where you want to go. Yeah. Thoughts and beliefs that you've always held on to don't serve you. They don't serve anyone right now. So, yeah, I don't know. I think that there's just something within me that's always been a little bit of a fighter. Uh, I, I, well, I love that. And I see that I want, I want you to know that I see you and I validate you and I honor that in you. Thank you. Um, I do want to get into politics one day. I think you've got to be a little bit of a fighter to want to do that. I I think so too. I've, I've definitely thought about it myself. People have asked me and you are, all right. So I say this a lot, but do you know the uh, comedian John Mulaney? Yes. Yeah. So here's this line that I say, cause, because people have like asked me that before. Uh, you know, Hey, would you ever want to run for office? And my response is always the same. I'm never going to be president. Not unless a lot of people get really cool about a lot of stuff really quickly. (laughs) That's, uh, that's kind of where I sit with it. Yeah. Well, I mean, Mary Q asked me, gosh, in 2019, when I was, I was talking to him actually one day when I was taking his order, uh, sat down Uh and chatted with him. And I don't know what exactly I said, but he kind of looked at me. He's like, are are you going to run for office one day? Like, am I going to vote for you to be governor one day? I was like, ah, yeah. I've probably done too many drugs and fuck too many people. I'm sorry. Yeah. I shouldn't say the F word. Um, uh, you're welcome. <laughs> Fuckity fuck, fuck, fuck. Ex- okay. Warning, explicit. You're fine. <laughs> <laughs> but then again, I think a lot of the guys that I have dated would probably vote for me because I tended to date progressive people. Hey. Not all of them, but, um, but at, right. the, at the end of the day, you know, I think that the tides have turned. I think that there's a lot less shame and stigma for what uh, would have held people back from running for office 20, 30, 40 years ago. Yeah, even. sure. And these days, if someone wants to bring up things from my past, I'll just be like, what of it? My past is kind of <laughs> dirty. Well, because you know that there's going to be like a wide audience out there that's like, uh, yeah, me too. Yeah, so. right. <laughs> right. And those are the uh, people that I want to represent. <laughs> that's right. That's right. All right. So so we've talked a little bit about how you kind of push push through things like you're a fighter. I, I'm actually really curious because I, I you're a very empathetic person and, and I, I know that about you. How do you deal with people? This this is for you listeners at home. Like this is the tactical piece that you can take home with you and you know implement tomorrow. What what do you do when you're dealing with someone, when you're trying to coach someone, or when you're you know talking to a potential client and they are resistant to your message because they're uncomfortable talking about it, or because there's this stigma around mm-hmm. talking about it? Like, what what do you do to kind of make people comfortable or make them understand the importance of your message? Sure, sure. I definitely have encountered that with clients, that, especially the first session or two, sometimes they're worried about what exactly they can and can't say to me. Uh, I try to preface it in our initial session by saying there's nothing that I won't talk about except medical fetish because blood skeeps me out. Everything else is on the table as long as it's you know involving consenting parties. And there are still times like, like session two, they're like whispering Sex? We had sex. And I'm like, you mean sex? So part of it's just modeling 
and you know if they are afraid to say a certain word or they're using a nickname for a body part they're like oh well my hoo-ha i'm like oh your vulva like yeah yeah my vulva yeah cool because the more i'm just nonchalant folks you don't exactly you have a vagina (laughs) but the more i just model it casually for them just it's just straightforward like you're just talking about this this and this then it gives them the comp to be like oh okay i i I can say that word and I can say it and be okay. Okay. And I'm not I'm not dirty for saying or thinking or expressing this thing. So mo- all right, so modeling the behavior. I like that. Mm-hmm. And, and in psychology term, and you you I'm not telling you anything you don't know, but you know there's that concept of mirroring. Like mm-hmm. you 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 model what you want to see, you model what the other person is doing yep. and that brings greater comfort. So so I I love that. Exactly. Um, and well, that, that statement of like, you have permission to talk to me about whatever you need to talk about. Yeah. But I mean, it is course, okay. Unless it's, unless it's medical kink, in which case, no thank yes. you. Yes. In that case, it's like, let me help you find somebody that's okay talking about that. But most of the time, they're just like, what's medical fetish? I'm like, if you don't know what it is, we're okay. Yeah. Do not recommend Google search. You can never unsee that shit. <laughs> yes. Uh, so... All right. So so I do have to pop in here. I, I love this conversation. This is so this is so much fun for me. Sorry. I got distracted for a second because I'm having so much fun. Uh, but I do have to tell you that today's episode of Startup Hustle is sponsored by Fullscale.io. They can help you build a software team quickly and affordably. Um, I don't know if you have ever availed yourself of Fullscale's services. I personally have. And I have to tell you that the teams they build for you, they are efficient. They are responsive. They are talented. Um, and, and I just cannot, I cannot recommend them enough, not only because they're episode, I know I'm biased. I know, I know they are episode sponsors, but that being said, uh, I have personally talked to clients of full scale. I have personally used full scale and I just know the kind of peace that the full scale team, full scale team can bring to entrepreneurs who are just trying to throw everything they have at solving a problem, starting a business, selling a product. So I definitely highly recommend. Uh, Also highly recommend for those of you who are just joining us, we are talking to Kristen Thomas. Uh, Kristen is a is the owner and head coach, but sometimes in my head, I call you a sexologist. I don't know if you ever knew that. I'm a clinical sexologist, yeah. Clinical sexologist for Open the Doors Coaching. Uh, Folks, you are missing out if you have not heard Kristen's other episodes. So we've got episode 121. The Business of Sex Coaching, episode 261, Sex Coaching 201, episode 584, Sex Coaching 301, and then I have the honor of Sex Coaching 401. And we're talking about all kinds of stuff here. Uh, so, so Kristen, something else that I, I want to ask you about that I find super interesting. Um, you are fantastic at setting boundaries. Um, even, even, even as a, even as a coach, like just the fact that you're like, Hey, I actually have a no-go topic, mm-hmm. um, totally valid. Uh, and, and I love that you are able to set that expectation with your clients. Thank you. Talk to us about setting boundaries. Well, I learned how to set my boundaries. We'll, we'll, we'll do two parts. Like how I learn my boundaries for my business and then how I teach other people to set boundaries as well. Oh man, look at, you are like the best podcast guest ever. (laughs) (laughs) So how I learned what my boundaries are is I went through what's called a SAR. It's a sexual attitude reassessment. 
Okay. And that is a specific program for clinical sexologists, sex therapists, all that to, to go through. It's a four-day weekend. You are bombarded with imagery. There's panels of people that come in and talk about specific topics. You break into small groups and have conversations. But it's really about learning to check in with your gut about like, oh, okay, yeah, all right, that's fine. Versus like, ooh, I am not comfortable seeing that. I am not comfortable talking about that. That is way outside of my comfort zone. Yeah. But then checking in with why is it outside of your comfort zone? Is it because of the messaging and the context that you have received your entire life about this thing? Or is it really just something that like, ooh, yeah, that's just not okay with me. I am not comfortable discussing that. Because yeah. if you can check in with, is it society's messaging or is it something that's innately about me? There's a difference there. Right. You got to challenge the societal messaging and understand just functionally. Again, the thing that makes me not okay with medical fetish is I don't like blood. I don't like the sight of blood. I'm in the middle of rewatching Game of Thrones and I turn away quite a bit. Did you, um, you, you, you like faint if you see blood? No, it's not that I faint. Just makes um, you actually, like out. in real life situations where there's blood, I'm actually quite calm, cool, and collected. Yeah. But if I get in my head about it or I'm thinking about something or I'm Honestly, it's probably the empathy part that I am in that moment thinking about the pain that that's yeah. causing. And then it makes my body just like, ugh. Like I just get a visceral reaction to it. So once I understood that it's not because society has told me that there is something wrong with people who participate in medical play. It's simply that I know that I'll kind of like skeeve out and I don't want that to come across as judgment for someone right. who's participating in that. So that's where I drew my limit. That's the only thing that I won't talk about. And, and again, I say anything that's non-consensual, I won't talk about. So yeah. like, that takes a lot of things off the – not a lot. That takes a handful of things off the table people might like. So yeah. there's that. Um, but as far as helping people understand their own boundaries, it's a lot of getting them to understand what yes and no feels like in their body. Our bodies will tell us when we are okay with something and when we are not okay with something. Yeah. Women especially are trained to ignore that feeling. Um, so sometimes it's just giving them that permission. Like, you know what? Your your stomach starts feeling tense and tight and uncomfortable when your body is telling you no. So yeah. start listening to that. It is okay to then say like, you know what? That's not for me. Well, and I, I, I love that. And so, so like one of the conversations that I've heard happen around consent mm-hmm. um, is, is how young you should start it. So so just as a for instance, and like I find this to be a perfect example. So, you know, when you were a kid, your your aunt would come over and she would smell like mothballs and, you know, she just always <laughs> felt vaguely creepy to you and you just never liked her. Um, she was just really weird. She always wanted to like pinch your cheek really hard, like whatever it is you, but you know, just not a fan. And, and, you know, your one of your parents would be like, well, make sure that you hug aunt Mabel. And, and the fact is you didn't want to, and, right. and more often than not, you were made to like, I know so many kids who have this story, but that mm-hmm. that's an issue of consent. Like no matter how old you are, you should not be forced to touch or, handle or be in the physical space of anybody Mm -hmm. that you don't want to be in the physical space of. And so there's this this new, uh, I guess, ideology that, all right, we don't make kids hug people that they don't want to hug. And we, we teach them about consent and we teach them that, you know, our body parts don't need to have 
you know, nicknames and mm-hmm. that we don't have to be silent about when people, you know, touch us inappropriately or even appropriately. Like it's okay to explore that as an avenue of conversation and education. And so, so mm-hmm. I love that. And I, I hope that you are starting to see as, you know, as a, as a sex coach and a sexologist, I just like the term sexologist. Okay. Me too. Right. Uh, but as a, as a coach, like I'm hoping that you're starting to see changes in conversation around oh, things like consent. I mean, talk to us a little bit about that. Like what, how are you seeing, I guess the, the, what's the word? Like the, the philosophical yeah. landscape. That's the word I'm like, yeah. philosophical landscape of sexuality. How are you seeing that change? Yeah. Well, like you said, everyone our age has that story of being forced to hug or accept physical touch from someone that we did not want it from. Yeah. So all of those people are trying to do something better for their kids than what was done for them. I don't have a single client with children who hasn't adopted the like, if you don't want to hug someone, you get the choice to not hug that person. Right. I think that there has been a gigantic shift in the conversation around bodily autonomy from our generation to our kids. Yeah. Um, I know like you and I don't have kids, but you know, there's a lot of kids out there who understand the concept of my body is my own. Only I get to give access to it. I am the right. only person who is allowed to give permission to my body and it's beautiful. I love it. I love that so many kids these days understand things like I can't, I can't touch this person. I need to ask permission to hug them. Um, I was actually talking with a fellow Innovate Her on the phone this week, talking about how she, through her nanny service, helps reinforce things like consent. And it starts with sharing of toys. That yeah. person didn't consent to you. They said no. So we have to respect that no. And right. talking about like touch, hitting is part of that. Um but I think that it's you, your kids are never too young to start instilling principles of boundaries yeah. and that they're in charge of their bodies. They get to decide. Now, I know some parents are like, oh, well, that's a slippery slope because if we're saying like we need to go to the store, they're like, yeah, it's my body, my choice. I don't have to go to the store if I don't want to. Like, okay, I get it. You have to obviously frame the conversation around touch. You have to frame right. it around other human beings you know, what's appropriate, what's not, things like that. Well, but there's been a huge shift and I love seeing it. I, I, I am really glad to hear that. And and I think that we're having, well, I mean, of course, like as you're talking, I'm just like reproductive rights, reproductive rights, reproductive rights. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we're not quite there yet. You know, we're starting to educate our kids around it, but we're like, hey, our, our you know, policies and our lawmakers still get a say, uh, mm-hmm. which mm-hmm. makes total sense. That's sarcasm, by the way. Mm-hmm. Uh, <laughs> just want to be very clear. Right. Uh, but, you know, so so like another example in adulthood, this is something that I see all the time and something that I really, really try hard not to do, but you know, pregnant women. Um, you know, oh yeah, touching their bellies. If you want to touch the belly, you know, fine. I I kind of understand the inclination. I find it interesting, but ask, fucking ask. Like that is a human being. Their body, their belly is attached. You know, like you wouldn't walk up to somebody who wasn't pregnant on the street and just like put your hand on their stomach. So why is it okay? Bingo. Why is it okay to do it to a pregnant woman? Like being pregnant is not an invitation to touch. And I, you know, I haven't been visibly pregnant, uh, but 
that doesn't mean that I don't understand that it might be weird to have strangers on the street coming up and touching my stomach. Oh, a hundred percent. I, I didn't know until I was in my thirties that that was like a thing. Yeah. But I mean, as you say, let's put the shoe on the other foot. Um, where in the world is it okay for someone to come up and rub the tummy of somebody who, a man that's overweight yeah. and somebody that you him, don't know, ask him where his Santa suit is. I don't know. I'm just like being kind of a jerk there, yeah. but like, there's nothing on this planet <laughs> in our culture that says that's okay to just walk up to a man and start rubbing his belly. Right. Right. So why no, do we have something in our culture that makes it okay to do weird. it to a woman? Yeah. Yeah. It's just weird. Right. I, I did have someone recently who was talking about exper- an experience that he had on a beach where some girls came up and touched him inappropriately and were like t- and took like a selfie. Yeah. And he wasn't sure. He's like, I don't I didn't really know what to do in that moment. Like was he felt weird saying no. Yeah. And I go, OK, let's put this shoe on the other foot. If if you were a woman and you had large breasts and someone came up to you, some men came up to you and said, can we take our picture with you? And then they grabbed your breasts. Yeah. You would understand that that's inappropriate, right? He goes, yeah. I go, it's the same thing for you. No one has the right to touch your body inappropriately without your permission. And even in that moment when they came up and asked for a picture with you and then touched your body, like you were you were coerced because yeah. it's it's too spontaneous. It was too in the moment. You you were probably trying to weigh out like the safety of it all. Sure. And you thought they were just going to take a picture and then they touched your body inappropriately and did it. Like, yeah, that wasn't your fault. And you did not consent to that, even though you said you would take a picture with them. And he was like, yeah. thank you. I appreciate it. So like even men need to understand that they have autonomy over their bodies too. This isn't just yeah. women. Like all human sure. beings need to understand that their body is theirs and no one is allowed to have access to it without your permission, Absolutely. no matter what. Yeah, there's the, this there's this video that goes around like as a as a meme periodically, and it's actually I think it's uh, it, it's one of the Disney princes at at Disneyland, and so this girl comes up and she wants her friends to take a picture with the prince, and but then she like touches his his chest and she mm-hmm. kind of like grabs it and she's laughing with her friends and he actually makes her leave. And I'm sitting here like the whole time, go Prince Eric, get it. You yes. Know? I Good saw that one too. Absolutely. Uh, and, I, and I love that. So, so the bottom line is, and this is, you know, one of the gems that our listeners get to take away. The bottom line is the only safe place to touch without consent is nowhere. Nowhere. Right. <laughs> uh, all right. So, so good. So we've talked about consent. We've talked about, well, we've talked about a lot of stuff. Mm-hmm. Uh, talk to us about open the doors coaching. I really want to hear like where, where is Kristen going to be in the future? I need to know. I need to know. <laughs> Gosh, by this time next year, when I'm back for episode uh, 501, yeah, which yeah. I'm also I, I'm like, I, I think that Matt and I are going to have to do like an Olympic Games style competition to see who gets it. <laughs> well, um, of course, I hope to be a New York Times bestselling author like Jen Mann by then, mm-hmm. right? And have my yeah. book out. She's I, do, I do have I do have a title picked out for my book. Ooh, so can you can you tell us? Uh, it's probably going to be Lies Your Parents Told You. Ooh. It's also like a reference it. to a Buffy the Vampire Slayer episode, so 
Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. I'm a big Buffy fan. Anyway. Um, and my also partner hope- was just like, ooh, and he didn't even know why. <laughs> I also hope to have uh, an invention that I have been working on completed and hopefully to market by then. I'm working on an educational puppet. Okay. That's what I'll say. It's an I, educational I, puppet. I, I shudder to think. Uh, no, I don't shudder to think. I actually like, it's like good shuddering. Yeah. Uh, You're like, ooh, what's she coming up with? I know. <laughs> well, I'm just like, what can you do with a puppet around sexuality? And I have so many answers in my head. Uh, well, if I was at my home office, right? <laughs> if I was at my home office, I would have my vulva puppet yeah. behind me. Um, I, I'm in my office office and I don't have her here. So would you um, say that this puppet that you are creating might go with the vulva puppet? Yes. Okay. Yes. There's no educational training tool for the male member. Okay. So yes, I'm going to create something that helps educate people and hopefully helps educate people about not circumcising ah interesting interesting yes i'm avidly anti-circumcision because i am an anti-violence advocate yeah if we are not okay with doing that to girls we should not be okay with doing that to boys well so. and i mean they definitely have all kinds of global nonprofits against female genital mutilation which is uh-huh. very very popular well not very very popular but it's still you know done in certain parts of the world mm-hmm. so so yeah definitely uh i see that point yeah, uh, I also understand that when when men are circumcised, they lose something. What is it, like forty percent sense of sensation in? They their lose blood? thousands of nerve endings. Yeah, uh, yeah, That's absolutely crazy. Why would we take away sexual pleasure for anyone? I know. It, I literally posted <laughs> a TikTok about that yesterday. I, it was like, post your hot take or controversial yeah. opinion. I was like. We should end circumcision for all boys, and it blew up real fast. I'm sure. I'm um, sure. Also hoping to cr- keep growing my TikTok audience. I'm yeah, I know, up to like TikTok famous girl. How many followers do you have now? Do you know? I'm at like two hundred ninety thousand. Holy shnikes! And I did that in a year. That's amazing. Yeah, I have like twenty one uh, million views okay, in a year's okay. time. You you brought the conversation here, but I'm really curious mm-hmm. though for the entrepreneurs playing at home who might mm-hmm. have a TikTok channel. What are some fast tips and tricks that they can use? Oh my okay okay. I literally taught a class about this two weeks ago with Square One with the Mid-Continent Public Library. So I'll give some of my top tips from that class, which you can find on YouTube as well. If you uh, Google me on YouTube along with Square One, it's my my TikTok. My, my video just went viral. Um, one, you got to be authentic. Just show up and be yourself. Do not worry about overproducing something. It doesn't. You don't have to spend an entire day filming TikToks. You can just say something in 25 seconds, put a fun sticker on it, put put a pretty filter on it if you want, and put it out there. Lo-fi is the best way to go on TikTok. Yeah. Um, you know, if you are a business, you need to do a business page. Don't try to just like I don't, I don't, even though it's Coach Kristen on TikTok, it's not my personal page, it is my brand page. Right. So I, I do have it as a business page. It limits you somewhat on a couple of features, but you get more on others. Like you get really good, a lot better analytics, um, but you have less access to music. So like you might not be able to do some of the popular dances or do some of the trends, but there's still so much that you can do on that app to build your brand. Like TikTok was what was responsible for doubling my business in 2021. I, my first video that went viral, yeah, it just blew up. I had a video go viral in October, actually into November 
and I got 87 emails from leads in two weeks. Holy shit, Kristen. Yeah, it was a lot. And it was also really an opportune time because my mom had just had a stroke. I was dealing with all her stuff, being in the ICU and everything. So uh, if anyone listening out there emailed me during that time and I didn't respond, I'm sorry. <laughs> she 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 had a lot going on. I had like, a lot going on. Yeah. yeah. yeah we, we, um, we totally get that around Startup Hustle. We're like, oh, yeah, yeah you're human? No way. Yeah, right? <laughs> Life happens? Oh, my gosh. What? Yeah. <laughs> um, and... Like you just, you got to have fun with it. If you're getting to the point where you're slogging through feeling like, oh God, I've got to do another TikTok, then just take a break. Yeah. Um. Also, if you're doing a really good job on reels, just post that same content to TikTok or vice versa. You don't have to produce two different sets of content, just share it across platforms. Okay. I I love that. And I one of these days you and I are going to go out for like a happy hour and you're going to take me through like the whole TikTok thing because I do not understand. Like I log in so much. People are like, I sent you this thing on TikTok. And I'm like, cool. It's going to hang out there for like months. Oh my I gosh. I not log in. <laughs> I can totally see you just getting on and giving a little tidbit about entrepreneurship. Uh, uh, just need, you just you, need 20 you seconds that, of talking to your camera. It has to be like your face and it has to be like you. And I just, mm -hmm. I don't, I don't, I don't like, I don't want it. I don't like it. So uh, but I, I get that. that. I, I get that. I had to get over that too. My marketing guy was on me for two years, especially like with IGTV that yeah. came out. He was like, you need to be doing Instagram live. You need to be doing IGTV. I was like, I don't like myself on video. Plus I, I do actually have a problem selling my services with my image. Um, I worry like, okay, I'm a pretty woman whatever. That's fine. I just don't want people coming to me and having a certain expectation or yeah. a false expectation of what I'm going to be like because they see me yeah. or they're coming to me for the wrong reasons just because they think I'm pretty. Like, I, ugh, I don't want that. Oh, yeah. I, like that is it's so interesting. It's like when when you tell people certain. So like, for instance, like when I tell people that I'm bisexual, like I cannot tell you the amount of people who have then decided it's okay to touch me or mm -hmm. to say something gross or to ask me to make out with the random girl next to me. And I'm like, that is that how sexuality works for you? Because it's sure as shit not how it works for me, you freaking right. nature. Right. <laughs> and, and so I can't even imagine what it would be like. Like, hi, I'm a sex coach. I speak openly about sexual wellness and sexuality and relationships and to also be a very pretty woman and to have all of those things happening in one person. Like I can't imagine the response that you get. And I'd like to apologize <laughs> for everyone. I'm apologizing for the world. Thank you. Uh, and the fact that you have to deal with that. But um, yeah, you know, my DMs are kind of gross sometimes. I, I can't even imagine. Cannot but, even imagine. <laughs> yeah, like I didn't grow up with a video camera in my house. A camcorder just wasn't a thing that we had. Yeah. Um. So I think that's also part of my issue with being on video. But I just, <sighs> I finally bit you the bullet. <laughs> I, I got over it last, into last February. And I did my very first TikTok. I was like, oh, that wasn't bad. Took yeah. Like, five minutes of my time and okay like I, I could maybe do this again and I yeah. just eased into it and I didn't have as many problems with people saying things about my looks or inferring things as I thought I would I mean yes it still exists from time to time again my the message requests are kind of gross sometimes on there but uh I did just have to learn to take some of the the bad with all of the good that I was sure. getting out of it. It was such a small percentage of inappropriateness 
compared yeah. to all the new business I was getting. Um, and sometimes I do pretend like I'm just my marketing company and go, hi, yeah. this is so-and-so from Fuller Creative. How can I help you? And then they <laughs> stop messaging. <laughs> so, so, all right. So, so to recap, um, mm-hmm. for folks listening at home, being a sexologist or a sex coach is not an, an invitation for further grossness. Don't do uh-huh. that. Yet. Uh, the only safe place to touch without consent is nowhere. None of us women have to smile if we don't fucking feel like it. Uh And don't be afraid to explore concepts like sexual health, wellness, uh, consent, all of these beautiful things that we've been talking about. So that's my recap. Perfect. (laughs) Uh, Bottom line is don't be gross, but don't be afraid. Yes. Yes. Love it. All right. So so we've come up on, on the human question. Mm-hmm. And I am, and, and Kristen, I hope that you don't feel objectified for the question that I'm about to ask you. But I really, really want to ask you this question. Okay. But feel free to like shut my ass down and be like, don't be a jerk. Uh, so my question to you is, when do you feel sexiest? Hmm. You're the only question, the only person that I've asked a question that's related to sexual sexuality, but I feel like it's appropriate here. Yeah. <laughs> Oh, that is a really good question because like I have a wonderful partner. He is he, he is my is life partner. Cool. Also, he he's is, a snazzy dresser. There he's, he's cool. a very sharp dresser. Yes, absolutely. Um honestly, I think I I do feel sexiest at the end of a session with him. Okay. Um like you know sweaty hair messed up just like in the afterglow and like it's it's hard sometimes to stay out of your head you know and and focus on pleasure but it's something that because I have trained my clients on doing it I have learned to do it too I I bring some mindfulness techniques into the bedroom and so I think that I feel sexiest afterwards simply because I know that I showed up I was present. Yeah. I was able to give and receive pleasure openly and that we, we both had a good time. You did your job and hopefully he did too. Mm-hmm. Uh, nope. That is, that is fantastic. Well, I, I have to tell you, Kristen, thank you so much for taking the time to, to chat. I know that our conversation was, honestly, I feel like most of our conversations are a little all over the place because we just have so much that we want to talk about. <laughs> uh, but thank you for going on this journey. Absolutely. Absolutely. I mean, I sure I love talking about like the business side of things and we definitely got some business talk in here, but get on TikTok. (laughs) You know, like sometimes just talking about life and the the solutions that I provide that are like, you know, more about what I actually do rather than the business side of it. I appreciate you having me on to talk about some of that. Hell yeah. Well, we will have to do it again sometime. Five hundred one. I, I am. I do yeah. think I'm going to challenge Matt to a a fight Ooh. for Kristen Thomas future. I Kristen love Thomas it. Episodes like we're gonna have some kind of battle of wits or a battle of the brains or I don't know if I could beat Matt in a physical battle. Probably I not. No. Like, no. Maybe not. So well, we could also I don't know do it off of downloads. Average download per host. Oh. Because I mean, but that is setting a high bar for for this episode, Lauren. Because there for a hot minute, I was the most listened to startup hustle guest of all time. I feel, I feel like that is a, it's a lofty <sighs> goal, but it's one that I completely agree with. So, so we'll see. Yeah. We'll see. I'll, I'll talk to Matt. 
Perfect. Uh, and, and I mean, I feel I feel confident that we can come up with some kind of battle royale yeah some some sort of battle royale for for the rights to Kristen thomas we are 100 objectifying you and i'm only a little bit sorry uh okay so so folks i gotta tell you uh this has been a really fun conversation for me i hope it's been for you uh i also hope that you consider reaching out to full scale if you were looking to build a software team quickly and affordably they are today's episode sponsors and we love them lots and lots we we really do they are they are the entity and the family that makes all of this possible so we're very very grateful to them thank you full scale uh really, really grateful to you, friends. Uh, hope that you will join us. Uh, you can find, we have a pretty deep digital footprint mm-hmm. around Startup Hustle. Uh, Matt DeCourcy is fabulous about making sure that that happens. And the full scale team is amazing about making sure that that happens. But keep an eye out for us on Facebook. We have a, a chat group that you can join. Uh, check us out on Instagram. Find us on YouTube where you can view episodes of Startup Hustle TV. But definitely check us out wherever you consume your content because Startup Hustle puts out a lot of it and we think it's pretty good. Uh, And folks, keep on listening. We are very, very grateful for you that you listen to us week after week and we hope you'll join us again. We will catch you on the flip side. Startup Hustle is brought to you by Fullscale.io, helping you build a software team quickly and affordably. Make sure you reach down and hit that subscribe button, then come find us on Instagram. See you next time.